Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to AMBETS Radio. At AMBETS Radio, we're dedicated to providing the who, what, where, when, and why of everything AMBETS nationwide. For over 50 shows now, AMBETS Radio not only educates, but tries to inspire all veterans serving veterans with interviews that are not only thought-provoking, but through humor, decades of wisdom, lots of great stories, and of course, information about AMBETS. It's our goal at AMBETS Radio that after hearing this show, you'll walk away different than you arrived. We thank you for taking the time to listen to AMBETS Radio. And for more information, including upcoming shows or previous ones, visit AMBETSRadio.com. Now sit back and relax, buckle up and get ready, because the AMBETS Radio train is about to leave the station. My mind is not for rent. Now that is funny. 
Welcome to AMVETS Radio Show number 76, September 4, 2018. Time keeps on slipping into the future. I'm about to give you a quote tonight. If you ever remember the show The Sopranos, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. I got to tell you, you know, Last week, we didn't have a show because we ran out of funding. And I got calls. They were surprised. <gasps> what do we do? I said, folks, we've been talking about this for months. But because of the state of California, who sent a donation in last week, is thus the reason why Ambet's radio is on the air. And I got to tell you, the guest list tonight is pretty incredible. I did find out, sadly, that uh, a representative from California we were supposed to have on, uh, but I just got noticed that uh, they will not be able to make it tonight. But we want to thank them for if it was not without California, this show wouldn't be on the air. And I assure you, based upon all the correspondences for AMVETS Radio, based upon our co-host, based upon everybody, we want to run the show. We want to talk about all the wonderful things that AMVET's doing. But, guys, it takes funding. And we tried to get funding uh, through national. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. It's required by the states to do it. Uh, we are working with uh, someone very close to national on putting together some information to try and get it. But in the meantime, there is no guarantee that we'll have a show next week. But I can definitely guarantee, guarantee you one thing, Alex, and that is we are going to have a show tonight. <laughs> That's right, Perry, and it's going to be a great one. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Perry. It's good to be back, you know. Uh, just when you think you're is out, your mind for, hey, you back in. Is your mind for rent? Are you known as arrogant? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I've had my uh, my occasions, but you know, I feel like when you talk about anybody's mind for rent, I could be swayed just like any other person. One of my daughters asked me, "Are, are you having Ambet's radio tonight, Dad?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "What happened last week?" And I had to explain to her. What what happened? And she goes, well, that's not right, Daddy. I said, well, honey, God is in control. He knows when, where, and why. Now, I got to tell you, while we were at the convention, I met a guy who I've never met before. He is the department commander for AMVETS, Massachusetts. We had a heck of a conversation. He said, I love to be on the radio. I said, great. And so we had someone pull out early this morning, and I called him, and he said he would make himself available. So Thomas Norton is going to be on the show tonight. I'm very excited. I know he's got a lot of awesome things to talk about what Massachusetts is doing, and I just want to preface and rest assured this man is not only a veteran, but he is a fighter, and he constantly fights to make sure that AMBETS and the word of everything relating to AMBETS gets heard. And so he's very excited. We also, of course, are going to have our veteran congressman, Brian Mast, on. And we are bringing back our new friend to the show, Lauren Price, who's going to be on as well. And you never know. I've also asked all of our correspondences to be on so we can get an update with what's going on with AMBETS in their area. But before we get started, Alex, you know, 
I got to tell you, and and I guess now would be a good time to bring it up, but I, I used to say the term before I would get started on doing something. I would say, let's do it. But right now, I just can't seem to find, muster up the words to be able to say those three letters simply because of the fact, and I won't even say their name, but a shoe manufacturer has decided to follow along the bandwagon of not well, not doing the right thing. You know, Perry, I mean, there are so many people. Don't that say their name, conviction. whatever you do. Well, <laughs> here's my thing. You know, there's, there's many people, you know. Do, do, you, do you know what the slogan that they used was, Perry? Yeah. It, it, was, it was, the thing is, is there's a couple editations of that that are going around now of Pat Tillman instead of the person they chose to use because that was a perfect example. The man, you know, stuck with his convictions. He decided to leave a multi-million dollar career to fight for our country. And, and unfortunately he gave the, and paid the ultimate price and sacrificed everything for what he believed. Now, it's just my opinion, but that represents that slogan a little bit better. Well, and and as you know, uh, we have never on purpose ever not started the show with our national anthem. Notice I prefaced it with not on purpose because there has been an occasion that I got so excited about the interviewers, interviewees, that I completely blew it off by accident and Shame on me for doing so, but we're not going to make that mistake again. We're going to go ahead and get this show started the right way. So if you would mind, and even if you would mind, I guess I should say if you don't mind, please stand.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to have AMBETS Radio. We thank you for the state of California that has kept it alive. Father, we know when we started this show in May of 2017, we knew that it was going to be by, by your grace that we would have it continue. We knew that there were people who did not want to support this show and care for this show, but through your grace and through the provision of those that do believe in this show and those that have followed this show, I thank you. And I can never thank you enough just that we can have this voice to be able to communicate all the wonderful things that AMBETS are doing. We love you, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before we get started, Alex, before we get to our first guest, because he is going to be a hoot, I'm so excited. I know that uh, um, there's got to be some thoughts or some comments or some things about Post 45 or things that have been going on since our last show that I wanted to open up the time for you to be able to discuss it before we get started. Well, Perry, I mean, this weekend, this Sunday, you know, well, Everybody was out enjoying Memorial Day barbecuing. We we had the fortunate for Post 45 to go up to Almost Home Veterans Park in Springville, Tennessee. And what they're doing right now is actually quite amazing. They're building tiny homes for veterans, homeless veterans to stay in. Not just homeless, but all veterans to stay in at their park. They're doing amazing things. They had a, a concert series, and we had a wonderful time up there with you know with Jim and everybody from Almost Home. We got the chance to talk with some local vets, some of the vets that are staying within the facilities there. And, Harry, what they're doing up there was absolutely amazing. And we are absolutely proud at Post 45 to be working with an organization like Almost Home. Uh, We've got several things coming up at uh, Post 45. As you know, we're still working on getting our junior AMVETS post up and running. We're going to be receiving our charter at SEC here in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, upcoming in October, and you know, I, 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 I go out there with a lot of the accomplishments of Post 45, and it may seem like I'm the one leading the way. That's not the case. I couldn't do any of it without the volunteers that give all of their time and all of their effort to Post 45 and the veterans within the community, and and it's it's just a, one of the blessings of my life, along with being able to be part of Amvets Radio. AMVETS is one of those organizations that's given me back that purpose in my life, Perry, and I'm just so thankful that God has put me in a position where I could help and give back through this organization. Well, awesome. I guess we should buckle up now and get ready for the department commander of AMVETS, Massachusetts, Tom Norton. Tom, how you doing, brother? Doing well, Perry. How's everything? Wonderful. First of all, thank you for not only introducing yourself at the convention, but taking the time that you did to share your passion, to share what you absolutely love more than almost life itself. And I wanted to to, to first, for those who are not familiar with who you are, um, obviously they know your name and they know what you do. But how did you tell? How did you first hear about Ambets? Well, uh, I had a Marine friend when I lived on Martha's Vineyard who belonged to the Falmouth Post 70 in uh, Massachusetts here. And he said, well, why don't you come join? I said, oh, okay. So I ended up joining the Post. And the the commander is a past district commander at the Post at the time. And his name was uh, Phil Furtado. Um, So Phil... You know, I said, Phil, that's your Phil Furtado. He goes, yeah. I said, do you recognize me? He goes, no. 
I said, you're three for Todd, the police officer. He goes, no. So I faked like I was turning and running away. He goes, oh, Tom, there you are. So, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was funny. But I ended up uh, getting in with him, and then uh, a couple of years later, he asked if I could start a state honor guard here in Massachusetts. So we grabbed a bunch of guys, and uh, I grabbed one of my other captains from the VFW honor guard here in Watertown, Massachusetts. And uh, we formed up one hell of an honor guard that was still going strong. How many members do you guys have now? Approximately. How many posts do you have total? How many posts have, are in Massachusetts total? We have 38 posts. Wow. Yes. Wow. Let's talk about your 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 history in in service. Prior to you serving, uh, did you know that you would always be in the service, or did it just happen one fine day? Well, I uh, happened to be the luxury of uh, a whole military family. My grandfather was uh, George S. Patton's personal chef at West Point. My father grew up at West Point. Uh, used to say he served in the military uh, as well back uh, during the Vietnam era, uh, and then I decided to join back in the uh, back in the eighties, and I went in and did my my stint, and then came out. <laughs> and do you so, and and obvious obviously based upon because again when you know you and I had a, a quite a long conversation about all that that you guys do in in in, in Massachusetts there for AMBETS. But why don't you go ahead and just uh, kind of take the time to give us an idea about what programs you guys work on, and then we can go from there. Well, the basic programs, of course, is Americanism, um, also getting the communities involved with our AMBETS posts, because that seems to be, uh, at least here in Massachusetts, it's kind of tough to get new members. So if we get our associate members and auxiliaries and sons all to get together to do stuff for the community, they end up coming back in you know in, in a good fold. Um, I know a few uh, post seventy, post one forty seven, uh, post thirty two Gloucester, one one forty six McKeon post in Dorchester. Everybody is out trying to get with the community. Um, uh, one of the special programs that I was, I was trying to implement this year with my PR officer is uh, who happens to be Robert O'Connell, our state chaplain. I believe you might have met him down at the national convention. Um, is uh, we're do, trying to do videos to promote AMVETS and uh, try to get the, the younger guys in, the Iraqi vets, uh, even some of the Afghan vets if we can, Get them to join and come, you know, help, you know, on uh, you know, either drug awareness or homelessness or, or something. It was just in a support role to help all the veterans coming home now and also the ones that are already here. Uh, that is one of the major things that we were trying to work on this year. Do you find that 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 specifically within your area, you're dealing with a lot of of homeless veterans? 
not necessarily in my area. Uh, we have some in Boston, but with our, uh, the resources we have here in Massachusetts with the hospitals, and we do have a lot of VA uh, centers, that uh, I believe the homeless rate for veterans has gone down because of the programs here in Massachusetts. Um, but we still try to reach out to uh, mostly, I, I want to say, uh, veterans who are trying not to drink or have the PTSD or uh, any type of other ailment that might you know, hinder them, a TBI or anything like that. Um, um, that's basically, you know, uh, how we're trying to work about that. Hey, Alex, do you got any questions for Tom? So, I mean, you obviously deal a lot with homeless veterans. and Alex, oh, there you are. Yes, uh, I, I definitely want to talk with you. First of all, Tom, I had an amazing time with you at convention. <laughs> we were sitting almost next to each other at the convention floor, and we we were having a great time. Um, I myself actually was born and raised in Highland Falls, New York, originally, the town right, right outside the gate from West Point. So a district, a district you know. one man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that's something we have in common. Highland Falls and West Point are in our DNA. Um, I, I noticed that you do a lot like that's one of the things you and your your chaplain and you guys you never stop you're always out there you're doing everything you can whether it's funeral honors whether it's helping homeless vets i mean how do you prioritize actually i think that's something a lot of commanders and officers and vets have a hard time figuring out is how do you prioritize what you're going to be focusing on and what gets your attention because there are so many needs of our veterans out there what what do you do to delegate on how you're going to tackle situations in your district? Well, in my in my department, um, I I really I try to prioritize on what our goals are for the district. Uh, uh, our state service foundation to help hospitalized veterans here at Bedford VA, Holyoke Soldiers Home, Chelsea Soldiers Home, uh, all the VA hospitals here. That is a major part of um, our veteran districts in these areas uh, to help them and, and have bingo parties, uh, clothing, shaving needs, uh, care packages, everything. Um, so one of the ways I'm doing that is um, I've been doing uh, dunk tank challenges for, uh, this past summer. So once every, I'll say every other weekend, I would go into a certain post and I'd say five bucks, dunk me, you know, Three balls, you can dunk me in the dunk tank. And we raise money that way. And what I do is I give half the money to the uh, host post or the writer's chapter, whichever one, uh, you know, contacts me. And then I take half the money for our service, safe service foundation, and I give it to our you know, safe, safe service officer. Um, and at this point, uh, we're looking close over over about five hundred dollars in each of them. Uh, and granted, we just started. We got one more to go, I believe, in post seventy nine in Natick uh, on the twenty third. But uh, I'm also working with uh, 
a couple of uh, people doing a, a day at the races during the course of the winter. So we have an indoor activity that kind of raises the same amount of funds so we can keep it going. And then the day at the races, we, we actually use a uh, tablecloth that's made for the racing form. And what I'm going to do is I'm having those made up. And what I'll do is I'll leave that at the post with the with a donation for their causes at the post level and then they can keep on doing that themselves if I'm not there or once a month or something to make more money for the post itself and their and their programs. That's awesome. Uh I I know that we have our correspondent from Indiana on the line, Vanessa Dillon. And uh Vanessa, are you there? I'm here, Alex. How are you doing this evening? Not too bad, Vanessa. Do you have any questions for Tom while we have him on? I know you were there at convention Doing with well, us. Vanessa. Hello, Tom. Um, Hello, you. Well, I, I wasn't expecting to be asked a question. To ask a question. Oh. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, um, I, I guess I could, I could, um, more or less make make a statement of what we are doing here in Indiana. Um, with our fall convention coming up. Um, we have a speaker from the, the VA that's coming to give a presentation about the SAVE program for suicide prevention and awareness. And um, I don't know if many people know about this or are implementing um, this opportunity to get that word out there. Tom, are, are you doing something like that as well with your state? I believe we are working on that. I'm not sure if my, uh, my third vice commander, Adi Machetta, is in charge of that, and I believe he is working on something to that nature uh, with the uh, hospitals, also with the Red Cross and stuff like that. Excellent, excellent. Well, just just in case you, you didn't know, and for any of the listeners who didn't know, um, you can contact the uh, suicide prevention coordinator at your local VA, and uh, they have been more than happy to help support us in our efforts and to even send the speaker out to give this training. So now everyone can go back to their individual post, better um, prepared to help support and assist veterans. That is outstanding. So, if it's not a program you've got going, I hope you get it. Oh, um, I'm sure we will. I, actually, I think I've been talking to uh, one of the guys on the Drug and Alcohol Awareness uh, Program uh, who's, who's, who is working on something to that nature. Excellent. Those those tend to work well together. Yes, ma'am. Now, Tom, a quick question. Do you have any upcoming events that you would like to talk about, things to that uh, – which you want to give attention to so that anybody who happens to be listening within your area uh, can know about it? Um, I believe I'd be do- I'm doing a dunk tank challenge at Post 79 Natick Mass uh, on the 23rd of, and also I believe our State Honor Guard is going to be posting colors at the Boston Red Sox game um, within a, a week or two of, of this of the of today or so, which is which is that gets our name out there as well, you know, among the uh, community. Sure. And do you find that that in in obviously being not only just a member of AMVETS but obviously running an entire department, 
Do you find that, that, that with everything going on politically, does that make your job, especially in relations to the national anthem and all that situation, are you finding that the AMBET's message is easier to deliver because of it, or is it, do you find it to be harder now? I I think it's an easier message because you you still get you still have the people who come up to say thank you for serving, and granted I know all my honor God I'll reply it's our honor, um, but I don't uh, the national anthem it, it doesn't bother me uh, what they do I don't like it but I really don't want to stand up and say that you know because I am wearing a uniform and stating you know I don't want to state my political beliefs on somebody else, but mm-hmm. I do want to promote uh, veterans and veterans care. And that's basically my goal on that one. If, if my, if my, my word goes out that way, granted it's better off. At least someone else will know more about that. <laughs> Excuse me. One of the things which I wanted to do uh, after we get through our, our interviews on, on tonight's show is uh, there is a specific topic that's really on my heart that probably will open us up to another show, but I want to get your thoughts on it, Tom, and and don't hang up because I, what I want to do, and, and one of the things you'll learn about AMBETS Radio is, is, is all of a sudden we'll get into a conversation, and next thing we know, we're all bouncing back and forth with ideas and thoughts. How is your schedule tonight? Are you open still, or do you have something going on soon tonight? Uh uh, I was just gonna watch wrestling, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I've got SmackDown recording right now because every Tuesday I miss it. But fortunately, I I had to buy Hulu, so the next day I can watch it. But I did recently yes. figure out that I could record the shows, so I totally get that. Don't go anywhere. I want to go ahead and I want to take a quick commercial break on AMBETS Radio so we can get the bills paid. Don't go anywhere, Tom. Uh, Please don't hang up because we are going to have you back on, okay? Don't go anywhere. Folks, we're going to be right back with AMBETS Radio, show number 76, very shortly. If you're listening to AMBETS Radio, you're already interested in building the organization. And we all know that the key to our continued growth is getting the Gulf War and later veterans involved. So I want to suggest that you go to communicate with them where they already are. That's right, online. Your post needs a fresh, current web page and a Facebook page to bring them there. Veterans Web Design is just who you need to help get the job done. At Veterans Web Design, their mission is to help veteran service organizations grow and prosper through the use of the Internet. To find out more, visit www.veteranswebdesign.com. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans and your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. Even if you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.com. All right, folks, welcome back to AMVETS Radio, show number 76. Alex, take it away, brother. Well, Perry, I'm very excited about our next guest. Our next guest served in the U.S. Army, 
From 2000 to 2011, he served as staff sergeant in both combat engineer and EOD tech. He is a recipient of the Bronze Star, Purple Heart, Defense Meritorious Service Medal, and many more. He is currently our sitting congressman of the 18th Congressional District of Florida and is running for re-election. I'd like to introduce now Congressman Brian Mast to the show. Congressman yeah, Mast, are you there? I'm here. Doing well. Doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, it means a lot to me personally because my grandmother actually lives in your district out at Fort Pierce. Perfect. So to have you on the show Fort is Pierce, amazing. I know it well. Awesome. She, yeah, she lives in uh, Tropical Isles right across from the Buick dealership. But I know it's, it. a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show because I actually was corresponding from your district. I did interviews at the National Navy SEAL Museum and at AMVETS Post-15 while I was down there a couple weeks ago for our national convention. And while I was down there, I couldn't think of a better representative of our congressional, you know, current House of Representatives to have on the show. And I'd also like to congratulate you on your primary win last week. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, Congressman Mast, I mean, you you are both a friend of AMVETS and a, a, a fellow veteran as well. And I'd like to say... One of the things we'd like to talk about tonight is you are one of the, I think, the first congressman to have a office inside the VA and are currently uh, have legislation for the Improving Veterans Access to Congressional Services Act in the House right now. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, uh, I suspect that for as long as I get to be a member of Congress, one of the things that I'll be most proud about is exactly what you just said, which is having the first and only congressional constituent office inside of a VA hospital. And this is something I think is so important. You know, members of Congress and members of the Senate, they're constantly talking about how, uh, you know, we need to help our veterans, how we need to get into VAs and make sure that veterans are getting the appropriate care there. One of the things that I always tell people is that if you want to understand a problem, you got to be present for the problem. you got to be there to see it with your own eyes. So that's where I make sure to do two things. Number one, I get all of my health care from the VA. I don't get any special congressional health care. I still go to the, the, the VA hospital to get any, med- any medical treatment that I need. But then I hold office hours there on a weekly basis as well. So that way, whenever one of my constituents is having an issue, whether it's with a prescription or in seeing a doctor or something's broken around the VA or they need help with Social Security or Medicare or some other issue, they don't have to travel to some other office. They don't have to make an appointment in some other place. They walk downstairs into the West Palm Beach VA hospital. They knock on our office door. Maybe they have to you know, wait a few minutes if there's other veterans in line, but they get to be heard at the highest level immediately. And I think our veterans appreciate it and they know that they're being looked out for. And uh, like I said, I think for as long as I get to be a member of Congress, this is gonna be something that I'm most proud about. And now we're trying to replicate this with every member of Congress across the country. And it's absolutely amazing because one of those things is, you know, you always see a DAV office or an AMVETS or an American Legion or VFW, you know, representative inside the VA. I actually think it's a very admirable thing to have congressional leaders with inside the VA medical system because with everything going on today, especially burn pits, you know, you have veteran suicide at its highest right now, which are two other legislations you have going on, such as the Burn Pits Accountability Act and the Oath of Exit, which is, I believe, H.R. 3232. That's correct. Uh, before, the, before the House right now. 
that you know these are very admirable legislations and very important because being inside that VA medical center, these are where these issues come to light the most. Now, with the oath of exit, I think we've talked, we've had several shows on veteran suicide and we, we constantly promote the 22 a day challenge. Can you tell us more about this oath of exit? Because when I heard about it, as somebody who suffered from depression and PTSD, it, it really rang very true to my heart. And I'd like for you to explain that a little bit more. Yeah, well, let me give you two points on suicide. You know, one, um, this is something that that it touches my my life very closely. Uh, you know, I'm a veteran, and I have had friends that have succeeded in taking their life, and I have friends that haven't succeeded but have tried to take their life. And I think as a result of having a public profile, being a member of Congress, I will get veterans or their family members who will call my office on a regular basis saying, hey, can the congressman call my son or my daughter or can they speak to, you know, my family member because they're going through a really tough time and, and they're thinking about taking their life. And these are calls that, that my office gets on a regular basis. They put me on the phone immediately and, and we try to help veterans, you know, work through whatever they're going through. And, and this is our responsibility to one another as veterans. This is something that when we were on the battlefield, there's never a time that we wouldn't give our battle buddy our last bite of food or our last round of ammunition or, or our last anything else. That's, that's who we are as veterans. And this is something that has to continue when we're home. And that's where we came up with this, you know, we called it the oath of exit. You know, we, we in the military, we put everything into an oath, the things that we care about most, right? The, 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 we always place the mission first and we never accept defeat. And we never quit. And we never leave a fallen comrade and the, the, the Ranger Creed and the SF Creed and the Army Values, we put into words the things that we care about most as members of the military. And that's where I thought it would be very important that when we're exiting the military, we take an oath to our brothers and sisters that, you know what, I'm going to continue to be the keeper of my brother and sister in arms. You can always count on me to be there for you. And if I'm ever thinking of bringing harm to myself, I'm going to reach out to one of you first, one of my brothers or my sisters first, before I do anything to myself, because that's being a good battle buddy, and that's something that shouldn't end. And that's where I came up with this, and this is where we've been working on this. Now, when you also talk about the, the office inside the VA hospital, this is another thing that actually brings itself back to, to suicide prevention. You know, as I said already, I've had a lot of people that have called me talking about wanting to take their life. And one of the all too frequent reasons that I hear somebody wanting to take their life is because they went to a VA facility and they expected it to be a safe haven, uh, a place where everything that they needed was going to be taken care of. And, and in one way or another, for one reason or another, they ended up having some kind of failure. And that failure in this place where they thought it was going to be so safe for them has resulted in them having, you know, an even deeper depression in many cases than what they would have had from, from some other situation. And that's where I started to think about as well. You know what? Maybe if I have an office inside of the VA hospital, then at least these veterans that are having some sort of situation go on, they're going to get hurt immediately. They're going to know that, you know what, they had an issue. It's not going to fester inside of them. They're going to be able to get it off their chest at the highest level and speak to their member of Congress about it, 
and hopefully that will help alleviate some of the pressure for them. They know that I bring it to the, the VA administrators. I, I bring it forward, and I try to make sure that anything negative never happens again. So that actually has roots in suicide prevention as well. And that's amazing. Do you find that having your office within the VA uh, pushes them and the leadership within the VA medical centers uh, pushes them a little bit harder to make sure that doesn't happen? I know that we should never have to have that oversight to make sure it doesn't happen, but do you think that because your office is within the center, they are more aware of the negativity and try to avoid it that much more? Absolutely. There's no question about that whatsoever. Um, and, and look, all of us as, as soldiers, sailors, airmen, uh, you know, Marines, Coast Guards, men and women, all of us know that uh, especially when we're, you know, we're younger recruits and things like that, if we're not under the microscope a little bit, you're going to try to get away with some things that maybe you might otherwise not. It matters. For I shammed the timer to, to myself. You know, it matters. It matters to be under the microscope. And the reality is it's different when any member of Congress is going through the VA hospital. When a member of Congress is going through the VA hospital, everything is, oh, yes, sir. We didn't know that that was going on. Oh, yes, sir. We'll get that fixed immediately. Oh, you know, yes, sir. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't notice that there wasn't an automatic door on the most frequently used bathroom on the main floor of the, the VA hospital. We'll get that taken care of right away so that people in a wheelchair can get in and out of the, can get in and out of the bathroom. Oh, we didn't realize that this was going on with this. And that is the response constantly. And that's important. That's what scrutiny is all about to make sure that the, the, the results are there and that people are held accountable and that if there's something right that's going on, it gets praised, and we make sure that whatever's right is replicated. But if there's something wrong going on, you light a fire under that, and you make sure that everybody knows that wrong thing is never going to happen again on your watch. That's absolutely amazing. Now, I know we're a little pressed for time. I have two more questions. The first would be, AMVETS recently came out with its support of the Military Justice Improvement Act, and I want to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, well, listen. The, the Military Justice Improvement Act and, and AMVETS going out there and working uh, not just on this piece of legislation but on so many others is one of the places that I turn to uh, frequently when I want to talk about something going on with veteran-related issues. I turn to my AMVET friends and I ask them and, you know, I get their opinion, I get their take on it, and I ask them what legislation, you know, is being pushed right now, what do you think I should be taking up as, uh, as championing as, as a military veteran member of Congress. And this is one of the easiest places that I find an outlet to go out there and look for ways to help our veteran community is just reaching out to, to AMBETS and, and other veteran service organizations and saying, hey, what can I do? What do you see the need of? Where can I go out there and help? And, and this is where it's been such a great relationship for me. Um, and, and I've been proud to have that. And I, hope, I think it's something that's only going to get stronger. It's only going to continue further. And as an officer within AMVETS and the co-host of their national radio show, I'd, I'd like to say that we appreciate that as well. Now, being an American veteran as yourself, are you a member of AMVETS actually right now? Or? I am, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Which post are you a member of? So, uh, I want to say, I'm trying to think of my post number now. Uh, I want to say it's 186. <laughs> I might be getting that mistaken, but um, I apologize for not getting my post number right if I didn't do that. It's all good. It all happens. I mean... It was kind of an on-the-spot question, but Congressman Mast, is there any legislation coming up right now, or is there anything in the local community that you want to talk to our listeners about and make them more aware of to get some support for? 
Look, there's so much that's going on in our veteran community right now and so many places of need. Uh, you know, we talked about a lot of it with suicide prevention already. Um, you mentioned it briefly. One of the things that I've been championing along with uh, Representative Tulsi Gabbard, a female veteran from, uh, from uh, uh, Hawaii, is what's going on with burn pits. This is something that's extremely important. Many people have labeled it the, the Agent Orange uh, of our generation. Uh, so this is something that, that I'm very proud to be out there championing. I've been exposed to, to this sort of thing myself in a number of different ways. I, I think one of the big places that we can see so much need to go out there and help our veterans is in our female veteran population. Uh, there's, there's so much need out there and so many things that aren't brought to light uh, for the special needs that, that our female veterans have. Um, this is a, an important place that I'm always looking for ways to help, and I have some good friends uh, in my community that try to help me on this front on a regular basis um, because they, they have so many female veterans that they're in touch with on a constant basis that are relaying to them some of the specific needs that, that they see. Uh, many of those in, in uh, our mental health areas of our VA hospitals, um, you know, I don't, I don't like to be super graphic about it, but the reality is for many of our VA health centers, you know, when you go into the areas of, of confined mental health, there are common areas where you have both men and women together. And in these common areas where you have men and women together, many of these women have experienced military sexual trauma. So that kind of puts them into, into a location where uh, they're uneasy about the, the situation that they're in already. And then beyond that, when you're talking about these instances of confinement, you have people that aren't allowed to have things like shoestrings or bras or things like that. And they're in these common areas with men where quite often they don't have the, the right coverage. This is an area that I've been trying to address. Just an area of, of basic dignity for our female veterans that are going through uh, issues of mental health. This is one of the places that I'm working on. And, and there's so many places out there that people don't even realize uh, there's a need that we try to find those and say, listen, let's make the life better on every one of our veterans. Whenever they serve, uh, whatever their gender and whatever their needs are, let's try to show them how thankful and appreciative we are of their service and let them know that they're going to be taken care of. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that is something that's not very widely known. Now, we've had several shows on military sexual trauma and some of the issues going along with that. But I'm glad you mentioned the burn pits because of everything going on. I believe now that you are that, that veterans are able to join in class action for benefits regarding burn pits, that this is coming a little bit more to the forefront. And that we have so many listeners, our current National Commander Reed Riley, he is a huge proponent of a women veterans. And this is one of the areas that not many people know. We have state commanders, district commanders, department commanders. I'm listening to the show right now that if you are listening, how can they start advocating and bringing that to their local congressional leaders to help further that cause of changing it? And how can our veterans who are within your district reach out to you to make some changes? Well, one of the easiest ways for any of my veterans to reach out to me to make a change is to just come to our office hours. I usually show up to, to our VA office on Mondays. You know, most Monday through Friday, I'm in Washington, D.C., doing the work of a representative. And so I try to show up to the VA office on Monday mornings because I can usually hit it before I head out to the airport. I get a little bit of time before my flight takes off in the morning, and, uh, and I can go out there and actually be in attendance for those office hours. Now, one of the things I have to say about that VA office is uh, we're actually prohibited 
from having those office hours for the next two months. One of the agreements that I had to make when I was given the, the, the authority and the access to have these office hours is that they had to say, listen, we're not going to let you do this within two months of the election. So the election is in November, and uh, the, basically uh, they're not allowing me to hold those office hours until after the November election, uh, the VA. So this is something that, unfortunately, I won't have these hours for the next couple of months. But beyond that, any of our veterans can make an appointment in any one of my other offices in my district. We have three other offices in my district. And if they want to speak to me, I am always accessible to them. Uh, if I'm not home and I can't meet with them in person, we set up a phone call with them or a FaceTime or a Skype call with them. Uh, we email back and forth. Whatever our veterans need to do, if they need to speak to me, um, they have access to me. I dare say that you know, all of the commanders uh, in, in our various posts throughout my community, whether you know, it's BFW or AMVETS or disabled American veterans or, or uh, paralyzed veterans or uh, wounded warriors or wounded veterans of South Florida or you, know, you name the veteran organization, I can almost guarantee that the leadership in each one of those in my community probably has my cell phone and probably has my personal email address. And if they need me, they can, uh, they can reach out to me. And if they have one of their members that needs me, they can put them in contact with me. That's hey, Alex, awesome. um, oh, hey, one Alex, last thing, Perry, before we question. go. No, no, we, we're not going anywhere, Alec. Um, we've okay. got we've got two questions for him. Uh, one is from Vanessa, and the other one is Antoine. Go ahead, Vanessa. Matter of fact, uh, introduce yourself first, Vanessa, just so that he knows who you are. Congressman Matt, I'm Vanessa Dillian. I am the Department of Indiana's Women Veterans Liaison, as well as a correspondent for Invets Radio in Indiana. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. I really appreciate you being being with us. Um, I just had a, a quick question. You mentioned that you are encouraging other congressmen and women to replicate and do what you're doing um, there in your your local area. Um, can I ask how uh, are you encouraging others and what can I do to assist in that process? Because I think it's awesome. Two great questions there, and I love it because it helps me out. So the way that I'm encouraging this is, when I wanted to open up an office in the VA hospital, it was actually a very daunting task. It took me a solid year to get that done of constant back and forth with the VA. Um, the easiest thing was at that time it was Secretary Shulkin. He was Secretary of the VA. The easiest thing was him giving me the authority to say, yeah, Congressman Mass, I will bless off on that. If you want to put an office in the VA hospital, he gave me that authority very soon after being elected, which is when I started working on this. After that, it took me almost 10 months to go through this back and forth with the VA hospital where they're saying, okay, we need you to get a memorandum of understanding on this. Now we need you to get this. Now we need you to get this. And I was basically, I was getting nickeled and dimed every two or three weeks where they were saying, okay, before we give you the office, we need you to get this done. Now we need you to get this done. And so my office has taken all of those things that the VA required us to do so that we could open up an office there. And we've wrapped all of those things into a piece of legislation so that if we pass this legislation, any member of Congress, Republican, Democrat, independent from California to New York, from Michigan to Florida to all points in between, any member of Congress would be able to simply go in and open up their office uh, in the VA hospital to, so that they can see their constituents. Um, and, and that's the work that that's the legislation that I have is to get all of those roadblocks out of the way 
so that if a member of Congress wants to do this, they can, and there's no hurdles for them to go over. Now, the way that you help me get this done is you reach out to your member of Congress, and you tell your member of Congress, listen, Congressman Brian Mast over in Florida's 18th Congressional District has a bill that would make it so that you could go hold office hours in the VA and be able to help our veterans in that way. You'd get to see what's going on in the VA on a regular basis. You'd provide a little bit of scrutiny there, and, uh, and it would be a very good thing. And if we can get 435 members of Congress to co-sponsor this piece of legislation, then let's do that. Reach out to all of your other chapter commanders, your, your state commanders. Let them know, hey, this is a good piece of legislation. And you all can help me get this piece of legislation passed. You have a strong voice, and your representatives listen to you. They care what you have to say. And if you let them know that this legislation is important to you, then they will help me get it over the finish line. And I just want to say one more thing on this. It's a very bipartisan piece of legislation. So in my VA hospital, um, we have actually four members of Congress that now hold office hours there because the VA hospital, it's actually, uh, you know, maybe a block or two outside of my district. It's actually in the district of a representative named Alcee Hastings. So he holds office hours there. Representative Lois Frankel holds office hours there. Representative Ted Deutsch holds office hours there. And I hold office hours there. So now in our one VA hospital, you have four members of Congress with their eyes on the VA holding office hours there and making sure that things, that things get done right there. And that makes a difference. Excellent. Thank you so much. Antoine? Yes, sir. Go go ahead, brother. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Wonderful. Uh, Congressman, Congressman Matt, are you there? Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on? Hi, how are you? Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for your service. Thank you, and yours. Yes, uh, my name is Antoine Thomas. I'm the DC correspondent for AMS Radio and a member of post Call of the DC Department here in Washington. Um, I noticed uh, you mentioned that you do come to DC on Fridays. Is that correct? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you. Did you say that you oh. heard that I mentioned I go to the VA? I go there on Mondays. I usually go on Mondays. Uh, before I fly oh, to Washington. Yes. Oh, okay. When are you in Washington usually? So most Monday through Friday, my work and boats requires me to be in Washington, D.C. Um, so we were obviously just came off of Labor Day, but I flew up to Washington this morning, and uh, I'll be here uh, until Friday afternoon sometime when we're done voting, and I fly back home uh, down to Florida, and I'll be back out the, you know, the, the following Monday, uh, probably sometime around lunch, and you know, like I said, usually uh, try to hit up the, those and have those VA office hours on Mondays before I actually fly out. And when I'm not there, my staff is there. Uh, and I have a number of military members of staff that go there. They hold those office hours. I've got uh, an, uh, an Army veteran and two Marines uh, in my North Palm Beach, Florida office that go there and man that VA hospital office. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of go uh, on that because I've been here in D.C., and having our national office for AMS right next door, I think that's a unique opportunity um, to kind of bring some of our leaders down to Capitol Hill uh, to kind of interface uh, with the office uh, to see what we can do since we're boots on the ground. And with our VA hospital here, uh, we've had quite a few challenges here with our VA um, on a variety of issues. So 
win-win for veterans. Definitely at RBA Hospital here in Washington. So that's something of a great interest, not only to me, but of our constituency here, and I'm sure the national office in Maryland uh, would also, uh, you know, like to assist and position themselves to assist in this endeavor. That would be outstanding. Like I said, I would love to have your help. And, uh, you know, really every veteran service organization that wants to see their members of Congress holding those, those office hours for those veterans inside the, the VA, I really do think it makes a difference on a number of different fronts. Like I said, number one, just our veterans know that they're heard. They know that they can walk downstairs from whatever uh, appointment or meeting they just had or they just want to go in there, and they can knock on a door and they can reach a member of Congress. That, that goes to their heart. They know that they can be heard. They know that they're cared for because somebody is present there. And being present is so important. But like I said, one of the other important things is just that we have eyes on as members of Congress, and we notice things. I notice things when I walk into the VA week in, week out, week in, week out, and say, man, how come I'm seeing the same uh, water fountain that says there's Legionella in the water for the last six months? How come I see that on the same watering fountain every single time? How come this hasn't been fixed? Or how come I don't see an automatic door opener on this bathroom? Or how come this or how come that? If we're present, we're going to put things under scrutiny, and that's going to help each individual case at a time. And like I said, one of the other things that I can tell you that's so important is our VA administration, they know as soon as I walk in the building. Uh, somebody you know, calls up, it alerts them. They know that, that a member of Congress is there. They're showing up. They're saying, hey, is there you know, anything that we can do? What are you hearing? Have you heard from any veterans on these issues? What are they telling you? What can we help with? And I get the message to them immediately. And it's created a, a better relationship with us as well because they know that if I hear something, they're going to hear about it immediately, and it makes them on top of it as well. Well, well excellent. I think, I think we definitely want to, you know, take that opportunity since we're here in the district and um, our folks uh, uh, and that's national on a regular basis. And we're participating in AMBET our organization. So there's a few amazing things that we also want to do make sure our leaders here in DC are listening to us and ensure that we are boots on the ground on anything that we can do to help advance um, the mission um, within Congress for our veterans. Yep, that would be outstanding. I, I would really appreciate the assistance from you all. Those boots on the ground that you all provide, they make all the difference in the world. Now, Congressman Mack, I definitely want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. And once you're on this show, you're always a friend of AMVETS Radio. So if you ever have legislation, if you ever have any important issues going up, please come on the show. Let us know. We'll always have a space for you. One thing hey, before I let you it. go. One thing I let, before I let you go, I want to push out, and this is an open invitation. So AMVETS Radio was recently introduced or invited to the opportunity of coming out to the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo to cover the Paralympics, which it's anticipated that 30% of Team USA this year in the Paralympics is going to be active and military veterans. We'd like to invite you to come out with us. That We're going to be the first – veteran service organization to ever cover the Paralympics, which in my opinion, doesn't get the coverage that it deserves. But we'd like to invite you to come out with us, talk with some of the veterans on Team USA. And I think that would be a great way for us to 
bring these guys back into the fold. Look, if I can uh, make it out there, there's nothing that I'd like more than to go out there and not just support my country, but support my fellow veterans and those other Paralympic athletes there. I know a number of them personally. Uh, there's some of them that get their prosthetics at the same place that I get my prosthetic work done. And, uh, you know, so in that, I, I see them training. I see them putting in the hard work. I have folks that I recovered with at Walter Reed Army Medical Center who are out there doing Paralympic sports. I'm proud of them, and I want them to know that their country, uh, that their country uh, is proud of them. And uh, so, yeah, listen, if, uh, if it's available where, where, where Congress is not in session, then I can do that. I would love to make it out there. Yeah, I believe it's going to be from August 25th to September 5th, if I'm not mistaken, but we'd love to keep you in the loop. And Congressman Mass, once again, on behalf of AMBETS Radio and the entire AMBETS organization, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Is there anything hey, else you'd like to me mention? No, listen, I appreciate you having me tonight. Um, you know, as veterans, we just got to keep having each other's back. We got to keep being battle buddies for one another uh, and just have that commitment, have that drive inside of us that we're never going to leave a fallen comrade. And that's something that, that we carry with us every second of the day and just, just be there for one another. And, and we can do that. We can do that in a way that no other person can. And uh, if we do that, we're going to have an, in, uh, in, a monumental impact on, uh, on our world of veterans across the country. Congressman Mass, thank you so much. Perry, back to you. Awesome. Congressman, thank you, sir. We appreciate you taking the time. Don't hang up uh, because this show is continuing. Uh, we are going to bring, I, I actually, I just got a message about a very special announcement that needs to be made. And then we're going to bring Lauren Price back on, or we're going to bring Lauren on. And then we're going to get into a very interesting topic. I would like to bring up the topic, which would also give you guys an opportunity to get your questions and thoughts ready. But why don't we discuss... And some people don't like to call it all Ford initials, but I'm going to do it just for recognition. But I want to talk about PTSD or PTS. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back on Amit's radio show number 76 with the uh, state commander for Tennessee with a, uh, an announcement. We'll be right back on Amit's radio show number 76. The Tri-Cities Military Affairs Council and AMVETS Post 37 is dedicated to supporting, encouraging, and advocating for military and veteran affairs in Northeast Tennessee as they relate to national defense and economic vitality of the area. TCMAC is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and are made up of many different organizations, AMVETS, Veterans of Foreign Wars, Vietnam Veterans of America, the American Legion, Employer Support for Guard and Reserve, Student Veterans of America, East Tennessee State University, and many others. Membership is open to any individual, firm, or organization. Please visit our website at www.tc-mac.org and download our membership application today. 
you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETS can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETS helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVETS service officer or to learn more, visit AMVETS.org. The Elks were founded based on the principles of the American flag. The Elks are dedicated to our veterans and our community. We honor our veterans on Memorial Day and on Veterans Day and throughout the year. We also support the Boys and Girls Club and sponsor a Christmas shopping trip to Walmart so the kids can buy presents for themselves and for their families. Thank you very much, and may God bless America. For as long as there are veterans, they will never be forgotten. If you're interested in the Elks, please go to TennesseeElks.org for a lodge near you. Welcoming you back to AMVETS Radio, show number 76. And from the very beginning of AMVETS Radio, Dan Kube has joined us in many, many discussions. Dan, how you doing, sir? Good. How you all doing? Wonderful. You have an announcement you wanted to make, so the airtime is yours, sir. Uh, yes. At um, 12.22 this morning, I received a text that stated that the VFW was on fire in Cleveland, Tennessee. And as of this morning, the VFW has burnt to the ground. And so Cleveland does not have a VFW building. We still have a VFW, though. Us veterans are strong. We've reached out to the VFW, which, of course, a lot of the AMBIS members are VFW members, along with the American Legion members. We've opened our doors at the AMVETS for the VFW, and we had another veterans organization in there, the 48 to hold their meetings at our AMVETS post. But for you Bradley County veterans, we are working with the American Legion and the AMVETS to coordinate the meetings between these two organizations at our different posts. And so while the VFW may be down, they are, they are still stronger than ever and will come back from this. But the building is a total loss. I sent pictures to Perry and to Alex. And I just want to let everyone know that everyone's fine. There was no one hurt. Thank the Lord. And just bear with us, Bradley County veterans. We'll get back on our feet. Now, while that we have you on, we might as well open up the opportunity as well for you to discuss anything relating to Tennessee. Obviously, that is our, our home state since AMBETS Radio is out of Cookville, Tennessee. And we also want to thank you because you, sir, uh, on behalf of AMBETS Tennessee, has committed to make a payment to help keep us running. So thank you so much. Yes, and... What I would like to do is to coordinate with, I know we've talked to Antoine and to Terry Reese and to send a letter out to all of our AMVET State Departments and asking them for a donation to keep the radio show on the air. If every department would give 
$200, that would keep us going until the end of the year. And as far as the congressman, great topic, congressman, but what is the number of your less, of the of the bill that you're trying to pass so we know what bill that we're talking about when we contact our representatives? That's I can definitely question, talk on Alex. that. I can definitely speak on that. So there are several bills in the House right now. The Oath of Exit, which is H.R. 3232, was one that he mentioned. And then you have the Burn Pits Accountability Act, which is H.R. 5671. And then the one that is currently being worked on for improving – So. I don't have the number of it, but it is the Improving Veterans Access to Congressional Services Act. That yes, one is the need, one. Right, but we need to know when we're when I'm talking to John Fogarty, what legislation that he is going to be pushing for. So you need to get the congressman back on to get the exact bill that we're stating. That that the idea of them in our VA hospitals is awesome. And I'll be contacting them, and we need to put it on the AMVETS Tennessee website also, and the other states need to put it on their website. Yes, I'm looking at the website right now, and I don't see an actual bill number yet. So I will definitely keep you posted on that, and if we can get the congressman back on, we will definitely try. I know he has already left the show, but we will definitely try to get him on and talk about that again in the future. All right, very good. And of course, we're having our SEC meeting next month in Oak Ridge, and that's October. I don't have my calendar with me right now. But it is the fifth and sixth. It is the fifth and sixth, is what's. Yep. Yes. And so I encourage all the Tennessee veterans to come out for our SEC meeting. We're going to have it at Post 2, which is our oldest post in, in Tennessee. I believe they were chartered in 1948, if I'm not mistaken. And so just um, I encourage all of our Tennessee veterans to come out and support AMBETS Tennessee. And as far as the VFW, we're working with the VFW. I know a lot of the veterans are upset over here about what, what's happened. I, went, I was over there taking pictures, and the fire department kind of like ran me out. But a lot of our veterans wanted to know exactly what shape the building was in. And with the pictures I sent you and Perry, the building's a total loss. The building's been there since 1957. Thank you for letting me talk, Perry. I appreciate you. I appreciate the radio show. I encourage all of our state departments in the in the nation to get on board. And I'm going to be working to send out a letter to all of our state departments in the nation. Excellent. I'm going to now, uh, we've got 48 minutes left, so it is now topic time. And I want to bring something up. The, the name of the show tonight was Time Keeps on Slipping into the Future. And uh, some of you probably thought that I was going to throw a little bit of uh, Miller on there uh, because that is the song, and instead I came out of nowhere with, rush but um I, I i one of the things uh, again now um 
PTSD comes in different forms, and I'm going to now begin to turn on everybody's microphone. And uh, one at a time, let's go ahead and continue this discussion right now online. Uh, actually, we've got you, Dan. We've got um, uh, Alex. We've got Vanessa. I'm now going to bring on our new friend of the show, Miss Lauren Price. Lauren, how you doing, Dara? I'm just fine. How are you guys? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. And as you heard, I brought up the, the conversation PTSD because, again, we, we've discussed it on previous shows, but that was in the show of like 30 and 40. We're now in 70, and now that we have all these correspondences and all these passionate people in their areas, matter of fact, and, and, and I was going to let you know, Lauren, and I'm not sure if anyone's ever talked to you about this or you even knew about this, but, you know, currently we do not have a correspondent member in Florida, and we would love to have you be on. I, I really appreciate the offer, and I, I, unfortunately, I'm going to decline because you guys need someone that is, can dedicate the time to it because, as I know, Vanessa Dillian works her tail off um, getting things together. I have yet to meet your other ones, but I know Vanessa is constantly busy um, with our organization and our burn pit legislation that was dropped right before the recess. And uh, another major thing that we're about to break open here in about two weeks. Um, I don't have time to uh, hit the latrine by myself. <laughs> so but I greatly appreciate the offer. Do you bump shoulders with veterans in your area? Uh, actually, um, <laughs> I spend about 90% of my day either talking directly to veterans, their caregivers, uh-huh. or their legislators. Uh-huh. And I so what at, do you think the requirement, what, what do you think the requirement would be to be a correspondent for AMBETS Radio, what, what, what perception do you have about what does it take to, to be one? How much work is, is required? I just know that you've got to work hard to put a story together. Um, and that's I, – I give Vanessa a lot of credit because she's – what I've seen her do is take literally something out of nothing and – Right now, to give you an example, we have a major investigation that we've conducted for two years, and we are getting ready to literally blow it apart, and it's going to be all over the media and all this. That work is taking about 16 hours of my day talking to legislators, talking to investigators, and talking to the victims who are veterans and their caregivers. And oh, that's pretty important. Well, and I, I already want to do everything I humanly can for every veteran that reaches out to us. And we're, we're in the thousands now and it's gotten to where I have to delegate 
to people. We now have a national media director. We now have a national appeals director who handles medical appeals. Um, wow. We're still on the hunt for uh, a medical director to handle VHA clinical problems. Um, and we just brought on board a VBA director who's going to be handling issues with the VBA. Um, mm. I'd love, I'd love to, and trust me when I tell you, I, I talk to you guys up in not just AMVETS radio, but AMVETS in general. Um, I've said this the last time I was on your show. You guys are the only ones that are just like us, that we, we take everybody. If you served, that's the only requirement. You know, I, we don't discriminate. And I, I love everything you guys are doing. I have yet to see any of the programs that the AMVETS are doing that I didn't like or didn't support. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about PTSD for the moment. I'm also going to bring on Tom, Tom Norton back. Hey, Tom, you there, sir? Yes, sir. I am. Wonderful. We've got you, Lauren, Alex, Vanessa, Antoine, and Dan on. So let's open up the floor. We got 43 minutes left. Alex, since you uh, struggle with this as, as well, you have not, we have not had a show with you on that we've talked about PTSD. And so that was the reason why I wanted to bring up this topic tonight. So the floor is yours, sir. Well, Perry, that's one of the reasons I loved having the congressman on tonight. I mean, the oath of exit, you know, talking about improving veterans' access to congressional services within the VA, you know, these are things that I feel will help combat that in the future. Like, like we talked about with the congressman, you have extra vigilance or hyper vigilance now in the VAs that have congressional leaders within them because they know it's not going to take much for you to walk down to a congressional office and tell them they turned me away for services. How can we fix this? And I think what Congressman Mass is doing with several of the other, you know, legislative leaders in the part in, in the state of Florida are doing, it's actually really helping the cause because when you have a veteran like myself, I was turned away from access to uh, psychiatric care at the VA back in January or back in December, actually. And now, you know, it, it unraveled into a very uh, unfortunate series of events, but now the, that the VA has been notified of it, they're starting to bring awareness to it and start to take corrective action against it. And so I feel like that by having congressional leaders and having leaders at the highest level of our government within the VA medical centers, it's going to help stifle the amount of veteran suicide and the amount of veterans who are turned away from access to care. Well, I have to say, if I can interject, Alex, the same thing happened to me uh, last I'm, October. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's what it, what had happened was that I was at the I went to the Nashville VA. I called the crisis line. Crisis line put me into touch with the emergency department at the Nashville VA Medical Center. At the time, the Nashville VA Medical Center psychiatric ward was under construction. And so I was told because I was not immediately actively homicidal or suicidal that they could not take me in for psychiatric care. And that's shameful in and of its own right. 
that they couldn't take you in, but they had legitimately no bed. <laughs> but I, and again, I'm not condoning that by any stretch. But what we're seeing is things like I called and I was told um, I couldn't speak to anybody in that department that I had to get a referral from my primary care doctor and that I had to go through an orientation just to get in there that my primary care would schedule for me. And when I explained that I had already completed a year of treatment in the VA healthcare system for mental health, I said, well, that doesn't matter. You're going to have to do this anyway. I said, well, I already have a psychiatrist assigned to me, da, 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 da. Nope. He refused to transfer me to that department. I said, well, can I just leave a message for someone to call me back? I really need to speak to someone. He transferred me to a blind email, and to this day, they've never called back, and it's been 11 months. So Now, was that during normal business hours, Lauren? Yeah. So if there was a congressional office within that VA, do you think that you would have had that extra outlet to go to and say, like, hey, they're turning me away for care? No, I trust me, my congressman got an earful on it. <laughs> um, he got a formal complaint that was copied over also from the letter to the director of the facility. And even after that letter went to the director of the facility, they still didn't call. <laughs> so the the idea that PTSD that they you know we run a lot of memes about them because it's you know, I pretend to care. <laughs> um, it is for women in general in the VA, it's difficult to get care. And then when you add in the factor of mental health, and I'm very fortunate. I, I tell everybody all the time. I was probably just because I'm not the nicest person in the world. I was never a victim of MSD. Never. Um, I'm not a nice person. So that probably was very off-putting to people. But I have my own PTSD, combat-related issues, and getting treatment is has been, after that first year, forget it, it's over, it's done, you know, and when they tell you that you're cured for the purposes of other programs, that you've graduated and you've recovered, and you still can't hang out in crowds, you still have panic attacks, you still freak out when you drive. I'm like, this is cured, then God help me. <laughs> I hate to see what being broken still looks like. Exactly, because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There was a time where I was going through, and I had been receiving mental health treatment for about three years at this point. My doctor, and this was a previous psychiatrist that I had at the VA, and my doctor said to me, you've been doing this for three years. At what point are you going to accept this is how you are? And I was like, um, I'm not going to accept it until I feel okay. I'm not settling. I'm not trying to shoot for the stars and feel great where every day is sunshine, rainbows, and unicorn farts. I'm trying to get to a point where I'm okay. Like, I don't feel like that's shooting for much. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Mediocrity is my, my my level. How bad is that? How bad am I that you, you were telling me to give up on mediocrity? Right. Which, which, which sends you further into a downward spiral because when you realize mediocrity is shooting for the stars, 
it makes you feel more broken inside and less capable of being ever okay again. Well, and that's that's the other half of the PTSD discussion. And it, it was great that Brian actually brought this up earlier. I, I, I actually wanted to be on with him too because um, we've done a couple of radio shows together um, and we're both working on burn pit legislation right now. But the PTSD issue is not just um, what you experienced over there and, and what it did to your brain, and now your brain is different. The bigger problem is that when we come home, and I, I'm not even utilizing my own story or my own experiences here, but what I've seen as a national advocate for nine years, they come home, first thing is you, you, know, you get put into the VA system, and you are experiencing... Some people are really great. They're they're not all bad apples, but you know, especially if you have a lot of mental health problems and you can't get out of your own head, the last thing you need is for some obnoxious monster to start treating you and talking to you like you're dangerous or you're broken. And oh, guess what? This is it. And oh yeah. You will get to a, this is it. This is, this is as good as it's going to get. But in the meantime, every single step and everything we have to work in within the VA system is an uphill battle. And we have to push that boulder the whole time while we're trying to recover. Because recovery is, it's relative. The idea of recovery, you're never going to get perfect. You're not going to have, you know, rainbows and unicorns again. <laughs> you know, and, and me and Tom from the Department of Massachusetts actually had a similar conversation while we were at National Convention. I'd like to bring him into the fold in this. Tom, you still there? Yes, sir. Tom, jump on in. I mean, we had a very similar conversation to this while we were at convention, and I'd like, I'd like to, for you to reiterate some of the thoughts that you had. Well, I'm not a combat vet. I've never been overseas or anything like that, but I did have some experiences back in the 80s where I actually had a helicopter tear my rucksack off my back. I used to say, to this day, I do not go underneath a helicopter. I will jump out of one, I will fly in one, but I will not stand underneath one ever. So... I don't know what to do for that. You know, I mean, what's that? Uh, low PTSD, no PTSD. I don't know, but I, I, it freaks my guys out at work because I have a couple guys underneath me, and I'll just, I'll just move away. And granted, I live right next to the Mass Pike, so I get helicopters going back and forth, covering the traffic all day long. So it's, uh, it's interesting for me, but I don't even know where to go look for that. And, and granted, I work full time. So when I if I go to the VA and ask, all their appointments are oh one thirty in the afternoon or or ten o'clock, and I can't make to any of those. So it's interesting with that situation. And that's something that I've seen a lot too is that there's vets who have a limited schedule, and the appointments that come up are right within the workday, or there's 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 no extra effort to get you into the, the choice program to get you help within your community. Oh, no, don't even get started on that. There's yeah. my, my problem is more of the, 
and I, I literally could spend an entire two-hour show for you guys just reading to you what veterans and caregivers, their wives, parents, things like this, that they're taking care of these veterans, um, reading to you verbatim what is said on recorded calls and in notes that are in medical records. I could spend two hours regaling you with the horrors of the way these people are being treated. And this is across the country. This is in CBOX, VA hospitals, in treatment centers, and to the number, I cannot make their leadership, who I talk to at least once a week, I can't make her understand that this stuff is unacceptable, that that telling the veteran that they have to make their schedule flexible to work with the VA. And you've got a veteran that's got six appointments every week for PT and OT and this and that. And, but we need to drop everything because you have this one hour block that that's it. And not just that. I mean, and I, I feel like anybody who's a vet that's a correspondent right now, you could definitely chime in on this. You know, I feel like talking to some of the reps at the VA will give you PTSD itself because some of them are absolutely the most hateful people I've ever dealt with. It's like, it's like trying to get lost baggage from baggage claim at the airport. <laughs> oh, God, it's funny. <laughs> There's, I, I got to tell you, tonight, this, this actually was just posted earlier on our group. Um, a nurse called the veteran. Uh, or I'm sorry, showed up at the veteran's house for a, 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 an evaluation meeting or whatever you want to call it. Like a welfare and, check? Well, yes and no. It's part of a program that they're, that they're in. And this, she, she said the very first thing, this is the wife, this is the very first thing out of the woman's mouth. Um, you need to know I'm going to drop you out of this program. And if you can, if you are rude to me, I'm going to make it happen today. And then she drug her by her arm into the patient advocate's office and told her she needed to make sure that she understood. She said she doesn't know her roles and responsibilities. And she's screaming at her. She had this woman crying in the patient advocate's office. Isn't that what a patient and, advocate's there for is when you're crying to help you not be crying? You would think, but the woman that did this was a nurse. She is a nurse assigned to the specific program to help this veteran. And she's, this is the way, this is every day. This is, these things, I get the, I get 20 of these a day. And so when we talk about, you know, the VA and how the employees are are not being perceived properly, this is why. Because... (laughs) We can't get rid of these people because there are good ones. Don't get me wrong. There are really excellent ones. My but the negative, experiences, the negative experiences drown out the positive ones, though. I'm not well, going to remember every positive, you know, I'm not going to remember every positive encounter when somebody is making me cry in an office. I'm going to remember the time someone made me cry versus when somebody made me feel good. Well, and the, the thing that bothers me the most is it's not exclusive to the VHA side. 
it's on both sides and you know, never mind apathy and they're they're I don't give a ding about the whole case or your problems or anything else. It's just when you have this overt level of hostility and you're already dealing with health problems or mental health problems or oh, you've been waiting five years for your appeal to be heard because they completely butchered the entire process and you know said you you get nothing, they give you a zero rating for something that you know you, I'm sorry, you're missing a leg. Well, that's that's not service-connected, sorry. So you've appealed it for five years, and the whole time you're so broken you can't work. So the PTSD is exasperated by dealing with them. You are absolutely right. And it could be better. But all the pomp and circumstance and all the PR that they put out, it's, I'm telling you, wait till you see what I'm going to drop in like two weeks. Well, you are you are on Amvets Radio right now, the premier news source for everything Amvets. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, could we get a scoop? <laughs> You're gonna get the scoop. The scoop is okay. the the one of the big cash cows in the VA is this program called the Caregiver Program, and it's been in existence for eight years. And in that eight years. It's a multi-million dollar budget. I'm talking in excess of $40 million a year. And in that eight years, they still do not have a policy manual. They went from every year adding more people because, yes, we're coming out of the system and we're coming back for more and you're going to add more people. And this is for people, this program um, and there's a, a VSO out there that this was their signature law, and they have been cricket silent on this. Um, they went about. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's going to come out in in in, in the in, when you release this fully. But could you give us light into what VSO that was? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's the ones that only take post 9/11. So, um, WWP, sorry. Um, they, uh, the problem with this is that program was, and it's written into the law, that it was intended for those veterans, especially post-9-11 veterans, who are going to require long-term care, like adult daycare kind of situations, or at least someone with them, you know, most of their day to take care of them for safety or protection reasons or for physical things that they need assistance with all the time. And uh, Sherman Gillums is, is aware of it because he's in the program. He and his wife are in the program. Um, the part that got messed up was they basically, like they do with what Congress always does, is they hand the VA, um, here's this basic program, here's the rules, the real 100,000 foot rules, and here's a giant bucket of money and <laughs> have a good life. They never look yep. back. They never check on it. They went from, you know, the first year was, oh, they had about 7,000 people in the program, and then it escalated, then it got up, and it got up a little higher. And then suddenly in 2014, something strange started happening. 
There were mass cullings going on all across the country, 300 out of Denver, uh, 220 out of Phoenix, you know, and like that. But they were like in really quick periods. And like in 30-day time, they dumped 300 caregivers. They call it revocation. Dump- we were rev- a perfect example. Me and my fiancé, my ex-fiancé, uh, we were on the wait list for six months and were revoked before we could even get into the program due to the fact that there were too many people in the program. <laughs> oh, see? And here's the funny thing. I actually had a conversation with the national director last week about that very topic. No, there's no quotas. No, nobody's supposed to not be taking applications because I had three different locations all tell a caregiver when they called to try to get in to say, um, we're not taking any applications. We were told by National, by VACO, to stop taking applications. And that's not true, and it's against the law. Now, the funny part is it's gone from it is now at the lowest number of veterans in the program since 2014 has a 95% denial of application rate. 95%. And these are their numbers. These are the numbers they give to Congress. These aren't our numbers that we called from surveys or polls. This is the numbers we got from them that they give to Congress to support I feel like you have a every better, year. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you have a better chance of winning Publishers Clearinghouse. (laughs) You do. And you actually do. Statistically, you do. Now, the best part is this. Here's here's where the fun starts. They go back every single year and say, and I'm quoting here, we have 50% more applications than last year. Therefore, we're anticipating 50% more people in the program. Therefore, we need more money except they have consistently lowered the number of people in the program and lowered the ones they kept in down tiers. They're in tier three is the highest level of care, 40 hours or plus a week. And tier one is um, 10. They have moved the bulk of people out of tier three. And if they're still in the program, they're at tier two or tier one. Now they keep telling everybody, Oh no, we're not doing this on purpose. We're not, we're, we're not. They've never told Congress we're actually revoking more people than we're taking in. They don't pe- put that piece of the equation in. And they keep telling everybody, anytime the media or Congress asks them, and they did just ask them in a, in a congressional hearing, oh, no, no, it's, it's not like that. We're not doing that. Except now I have an insider that just sent me their training PowerPoints on specifically making sure that the caregiver and the veteran understand that they're going to be kicked off this program at some point. Making sure they understand that this is a recovery-based program, which it is not, by the way. Very specifically, those words are nowhere in the law. It says for longer-term care, for long-term care, for those veterans who require long-term care. None of this recovery-based crap ever existed. Yet they're actually training their people to say this. They're training their people on how to kick them off. And I've got more coming. It's already been sent to me. It's coming by mail because they're terrified of getting caught. But so that's cool. I'll wait. (laughs) Well, you heard it here first on Amvets Radio. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be pretty. And my problem is, is that these are the same people that are just, they're, they're the ones that have some of the most severe PTSD or mental health issues. And they're the ones that can't get care. They're being brutalized by these people that are supposed to be helping them in this, in this program, but they're also supposed to be helping them with referrals and expediting when they can't get in to see mental health and things like this. These people are the ones dropping through the cracks because of those people. And yeah. I'm gonna, I'll get off my high horse with one last quick story. In in Arizona, Prescott, Arizona, in one 30-day period, they had a caseload of 220 cases, veterans in their system in their caseload. In one 30-day period, they revoked 180 of them, kicked them off the program. Three of those guys were friends that had grown up together and served together and all got wounded and came home together. And all three were in the program, and one was an amputee. A double amputee, if I recall. Well, when they got kicked off the program, not only did they lose the the financial support and, of course, the the emotional support and everything else they're supposed to be getting with it, they also lose health insurance. Because under this program, the spouse who now has to stay home and take care of the veteran gets health insurance from the VA. So one of these guys comes home. They know that they've got kicked off the program, and his wife – They have two little girls, and his wife announces she's pregnant with their third child. He snapped. He's in prison now for murder. He killed her at the end of the day that day. This is a true story. This is how this crap is. They don't see, they don't want to see that when you rip away the scaffolding that is holding up broken veterans, that are trying to recover, that are trying to get back to normal, when you rip that away before they're ready, the, the, the end result is going to be catastrophic. And this is why we're fighting back about it. And it definitely is going to be catastrophic. Now, one of the things that we're on the topic of PTSD I want to bring up, and I want to hear from each and every one of you that's on the show tonight, uh, I'm sure everybody is familiar with Chris Kyle and what had happened with him and the veteran that he was helping. Um, For those of you who are not familiar, Chris Kyle would take, after he came back from war, he would take veterans to the shooting range, which was a form of therapy to them. Well, one of the veterans actually turned the gun onto Chris Kyle, eventually killing him. Now, there was, he is a former senator, a former governor, of a, a north, northern state, and I'm sure everybody's aware of, who went onto a radio show and on several stating how this was a bad idea putting weapons in the hands of people suffering from PTSD. As somebody who suffers from PTSD and somebody who was a long-range marksman in the military, I could personally tell you that every deep breathing exercise, every mindfulness exercise that the VA tells you to do is what you need to do to shoot effectively at long range. Now, now I want, you know, I'm saying this because it is a very mixed consensus, both within the veteran community and both within the civilian community, that how are you going to put weapons in the hands of people suffering from mental health issues like PTSD? 
Well, my, my stance on this is because it's actually something that I do for therapy is because when you shoot long range, you need to be mindful of your breathing, your heart rate, the muscles in your fingertips. You need to make sure that you pull that trigger ever so gently that it surprises you during a natural pause in your breathing, that your, your heart rate, you have to know the wind, the temperature. You have to know the curvature of the earth and calculate all that and keep that. And so it centers you. It's a mindfulness exercise. And I want to get the opinions of the people that are listening right now or in who are on the show. What your stance is on that? Do you believe that veteran, that, that could be a helpful source to veterans or is it a careless endeavor? Well, myself personally, I know a lot of Vietnam veterans who still go out and shoot constantly, and they love doing it. It's one of their therapies that they do. Uh, and I believe it's a, a good way to release tension, uh, you know, within themselves. Awesome, Tom. I, I'm glad to hear that there are some veterans out there doing it. Um, Warren, do you have an opinion on it? It's exactly what I do. I um, we shoot all the time. We where we live, we have ten acres and a lot of um, things, for lack of a better term. We have this is what we do, and like you said, the, the it's so relaxing because you literally can't focus on anything else. You can't focus on. And I'm going to use our words, you know, I can't focus on the demons. You can't focus on all the things that keep you awake all night. You focus on your breathing. You focus on relaxing your arms and your shoulders. And you, all you think about is the target. And that's it. And there's no other time unless I'm asleep, which is a medicated sleep, that I can ever do that except when I'm shooting. Vanessa? Well, I would have to agree with you, Alex, that it does go right into the mindful meditation that they tell you at the VA to practice. You know, when every time you go into your therapy sessions or your, your PTSD clinic and you talk with, with someone, you know, they're telling you, practice this meditation. Um, I, unfortunately, don't have an opportunity to go to a shooting range and, and do that. You know, it's been a very long time since I've had an opportunity to shoot a weapon, but um, it seems to me like that it would be beneficial and of assistance and maybe um, provide me a hobby that um, I don't have to help with that focus, you know, something that um, is relaxing. Definitely. Antoine? Uh, yeah, um, it's been a while for myself, but I, here in D.C., uh, we use that as a team-building exercise. But those who have had PTSD and people who are you know, suffering from different issues in their life, it gives them an opportunity to kind of revisit those days of when they were in service and they were with others. Uh, uh, so it continuity and with people that they feel comfortable with shooting in, in group sessions as well. Um, you know, going on uh, you know, safari, going out, you 
support one another because that group is the most, you know, continuity-driven group because we all know what we went through. Uh, so I think it's also a good way to share that with others. Um, I see that, but of course, you know, we have those veterans who need additional help, and we have to watch out for those veterans to ensure that there's the right. Definitely, Perry. I know uh, you 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 are not of military background, but you know, I would like to have a civilian opinion on this because. It is mixed within both the military and civilian community. So, I mean, I'd like to hear your opinion on it, Perry. Well, first of all, I have my own version of what I call – see, to me, PTSD is exactly within the name. It's something that is post-traumatic, a situation that happens. I mean, I lost my mom at seven, and that in itself caused me later in life to seek out the attention uh, of women, uh, I, I was looking for a mother and didn't even know it. I wanted to be mothered and didn't even know it. Then I lost my dad at 17. So being directly on my own at the age of 17, I was on the streets and homeless and doing things I shouldn't be doing. And, and then I finally settled down and got married at 20 and then got divorced at 22. And I mean, I've had so many traumatic situations take place that really the only way I know how to deal with things or have dealt with things in the past is food, pot, a beer, you know what I mean? Uh, but my mm-hmm. faith has been the only thing that has carried me through. I mean, that in itself, um, you know, but, but not, not, not everybody falls into that situation. Not everybody has the same amount of faith. Each, each of us have our own level of, of, of belief and, and faith, and, and some of us uh, rely on God more than others. Uh, others rely, you know, again, it, with, because each situation differs, each person's uh, dramatic situation I have no idea what it's like to go through what Vanessa's been through, nor nor do I have any idea what it's like to, to, to go through what you've been through. But I'm telling you both, walk in my shoes. Just spend 25 minutes with my first ex-wife. That alone will show you what I dealt with. So, but And I'm not laughing because, because it's funny. It's not funny. It's been devastating. It's affected my children. It's affected people around me. And so just because somebody you know has a, a traumatic situation – uh, I know somebody, for example, who had a gun fired uh, right next to their ear, and although they weren't shot, no one was shot. It was just fired. They didn't know the person was going to fire the gun. It freaked them out, and car backfires uh, caused them to wet their pants. Um, I mean, it's bad. So, you know, again, uh, each one of us uh, is is gone through traumatic situations, and I think to to discount one's experience would be a disservice to that person. But at the same time too, uh, I could not imagine what it must've been like to be, to be traveling in a automobile uh, through Baghdad or Afghanistan, not knowing if the road's going to blow up in front of us, 
not knowing if, if you know, you're going to be surrounded. Uh, I could not even for one moment imagine what that must be like and then have to come back to real life. There's a bit, there's a, one of my favorite bands is called Dream Theater, and they have a song uh, that uh, is probably, they've got a video, and I'm going to share it on Facebook later, but it's all about a, a, a war veteran who is out uh, who is a combat veteran who has to deal with shooting, has to deal with all kinds of stuff, and then he gets home to his mother uh, and his wife and his daughter, and they they can't leave him alone because if they leave him alone, he starts going back. And in this video, uh, you watch the progression of how he returned back and how he had to deal with And I had no clue about any of this until I saw that video. When I saw that video, I was just, I mean, it, it, it I had no idea, I had no idea uh, what it, what, or, or, or even how uh, a person has to, to deal with that lifestyle. So, Again, that's just my thoughts, and, and, and I'm thankful, again, that we have this opportunity to discuss it. Whether if you guys know it or not, somebody is listening, and somebody is being affected by this conversation. We've got about, uh, looks like, about eight minutes left. Um, you know, again, well, we can keep having this discussion, uh, but, you know, again, you guys, I, I, I thank you guys because you guys are open and honest you share your feelings about the situation, and I think that's what makes this show what it is. And uh, that's 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 my thoughts, Alex. Well, do you feel like it's reckless to bring a firearm into the hands of someone with PTS or PTSD to help with the therapy, or do you feel like it could be more therapeutic than most people would give it credence? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Again. Uh, I, a, a telephone can be a weapon. Anything can be a weapon. But if if putting a weapon in that individual um, would would calm them or would cause them to get uh, to to be extra stressed out uh, because of it, maybe that therapy will help them. Again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I, I wouldn't even have a clue on how to medically diagnose or help someone with that kind of an issue, but. You know, again, I hate spiders, but if you put a spider by me, I'm, it's going to freak me out. But maybe by hanging with the spider, maybe I'll feel better. I mean, who knows? Again, you know, it's just each one of us has our own issues. So. Alex Curry, can I chime in on that real quick? Of course. Okay, I've been corresponding with uh, Mark Sawyer. A little bit of um, information about him. He runs a uh, veteran peer support for PTSD group uh, that's based on Facebook. So if anybody's looking, any veterans looking for peer support, um, there are a number of um, admins on on the, the group that are, are reach out and talk, talk with veterans. You know, message uh, on messenger, phone calls, do buddy checks and everything. Um, he's not able to call in himself tonight, but he messaged me and he said that, in his opinion, um, there should be a VA-ran program. I think that would actually be a very beneficial thing. I know several programs actually run stuff like that, and I think what happened is when everything went down with Chris Kyle, people got scared. And, you know, it, it was it was like a boogeyman came to light. 
and I hate to say it that way because I, I mean, I, I suffer from PTSD and it's one of my things, but you know, I feel like it gave a face to like a lot of the stuff that was going on. And it was a, a tool to be used with all of the mass shootings going on. It was one of those things that could be further politicized. Right. But in well, all across the board, that's an isolated incident, correct? Exactly. Oh yes. Um, Actually, the uh, the the biggest statistic with veterans in um, gun violence is against themselves. It is suicide more than anything else. Right. And I mean, Perry was talking about a song earlier. If you haven't had the chance to listen to it, it's by Mark Wills. It's called "Crazy Being Home." And Mark Wills does a lot of great things with wounded warriors. And if you have a chance to listen to that song, listen to it because it's a very good representation of PTSD. Matter of fact, I just remembered the name of the Dream Theater song, Enemy Inside. Now that I thought about it. As I was was sharing the video, I could not remember the name that was driving me crazy. Go ahead. (laughs) I just wanted to jump in and say something because we're talking about Chris Kyle and what happened, um, which was horrific to him and his friends and the the whole i don't even want to get into the whole gun debate thing because you know the mental health system in our country is so broken that we don't do the checks we that we have in place already so the whole thing about you know veterans we've got the stigma and unfortunately as, as you said alex you know the the whole thing that happened with chris kyle it suddenly we're these big scary monsters now and you know, then the the rumor went around that they're going to take away all our guns, and legitimately there is a process in the VA system that you will lose your weapon. It's a legitimate thing. Uh, we vetted it, we've investigated it, and it's a legitimate process. And I actually worked the case for a Vietnam veteran. It took me two years to get his gun rights restored. Um, and one of those is if you're a hundred percent rated for PTSD or traumatic brain injury. No, that's not true. Uh, Sorry. Well, the reason true. I'm saying that is because I was looking at my paperwork when I was uh, rated, and that was one of the things is that if you are rated a hundred percent unemployable on something like that, where you're required a fiduciary and stuff like that, that there you go. it's that's a mental it. competence. That's it right there. That's it right there, though, that key piece, the fiduciary, because mm-hmm. that's the piece, because there are literally tens of thousands of veterans out there that are rated 100% for PTSD and or TBIs, and they don't need a fiduciary. That The ones that are assigned a fiduciary, the program, that if you end up in the fiduciary program, that is an automatic under federal law now that they take your guns. You are put on the FBI list and you don't get, they don't come and take them from you, but this is how this Vietnam veteran found out. He went to go buy a new hunting rifle and found out he was on the list. And a vindictive psychiatrist who got fired put him on there. And he, he didn't even, he didn't know he was part of the fiduciary. He wasn't, nobody was handling his money. Nobody was taking care of anything for him. He lived alone. But this vindictive psychiatrist did this to him. 
So that's when we found out that that program, that fiduciary program, is the only thing in the VA system that will get your weapons taken from you. I have some really bad news. We're going to run out of time, but this does give us an opportunity. We are going to run this show uh, next Tuesday, God willing. We are looking for some more funding. Thank you for joining us for AMVETS Radio 76. God willing, we will be back next week to continue this conversation. Until next time.